Hi there, we want you to watch Endpoint Zone episode 1812. This is going to be one of the most important episodes for you to watch because we're going to have Microsoft CISO Brett Arsenal with us. And I'll be talking about how we've rolled out conditional access and Intune internal to Microsoft to protect the corporation. Hey, welcome to Endpoint Zone episode 1812. Brad, welcome back to the studio. 1812, the grand finale. It's going to be a good one, too. This is, a, this is one of the best ones I think we've done in a long, long time. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. We've been getting a lot of questions whilst we've been doing our customer meetings in the EBC here in Redmond, um, just generally meeting with customers. They all want to know what it is that we're doing inside of Microsoft to keep ourselves safe and yeah. secure. And so in a few minutes, we're going to bring on our Chief uh, Information Security Officer, Brett Arsenal. But before that, we just want to make sure everyone understands kind of what conditional access is, give a quick demo of it, and then kind of set the stage, and then talk about exactly how we rolled it out, what the benefits, what the issues we were seeing uh, were internally. So first, let me give a little history of what conditional access is. And so the concept here is, is ensuring that only trusted users using trusted devices, using trusted apps get access to your data. Yeah, and the, the way that we built conditional access within Microsoft 365 traces back five or six years ago to really the early days of Office 365. So go back to 2012, and the number of users, the number of mailboxes and files we had in Office 365 was actually relatively small. But you started to see all the trends behind it and the momentum building. And so IT would make a decision, hey, we want to move to Office 365. And then the security team would take a look at it and go like, well, hey, wait a minute. The way that we have historically protected data is a perimeter-based security model where at the perimeter of the company, we ensured that the device was compliant and trusted well, now if the data is outside of the perimeter, outside of the firewall, how are we going to protect the data? And so, you know, this is where we really started to realize that this perimeter-based security model that all of us had relied upon for decades was just not going to be effective in this mobile-first, cloud-first world. And so we started to see literally organizations stopping their Office 365 deployments because of the security concern, which is a valid, a valid concern. And so this is when the Office team started working with the EMS team, and this is just right before we announced EMS. And we had to go and pioneer what this concept of conditional access in a mobile-first, cloud-first world was because it didn't exist before. So we had to go engineer it. Yeah. And so what we engineered is, is a way where the Office 365 services are in constant communication with the services that make up EMS, so Azure, Active Directory Premium, Intune, and others. And anytime there is a request made for access to data, that could be behind the firewall, that could be the Office 365 or Microsoft services, it could be any cloud service. There's a set of communications and calculations that happen where we have a point of view on the trust level of the user, the trust level of the device, and the trust level of the app. And then IT can assign different policies based upon the, the, the significance or value of the data, mm -hmm. and then apply the policies in a way where, in real time, we're able to either grant access or block access, but guide the user on what they have to do to get compliant. Now, one of the key things we had to work through here is, is how do you balance those needs of IT with the end user experience? Because for all too long, as a, I think as an industry, as we have delivered what IT needs in terms of security, it's been at the expense of the user experience. And so we wanted to do this in a way that both met IT's needs mm -hmm. and was easy and simple for users. We, 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 we wanted to deliver a solution that we describe it as being loved by users and trusted by IT. Okay, so that's what conditional access is. That's how we pioneered it. Now, to give you a couple of data points on this, this is the most used um, feature of um, EMS mm -hmm. by far. Yep. Uh, what we see is over 70% of all the devices that are being MDM managed by Intune have conditional access turned on. And as we think about the advice that we give organizations, things like 
multi-factor authentication coupled with our identity knowledge and our identity protection. The, the, the turning on of conditional access to ensure that only get trusted users using trusted devices, using trusted apps, these are two of the most important things that any organization has to deploy in order to secure their data. Okay, so that's the background, that's the history. Let's just give kind of a two or three minute demo of what conditional access is. And we'll start with you, Simon. Yeah, so I've got my iPad. So I'm just going to go click this link inside of uh, my notebook here, and it's going to open up into the Safari browser. It's going to ask me to sign in to my Azure Active Directory, and I'm going to select this account here. I've already signed in recently, and it's cached inside of my uh, keychain on iOS. I hit sign in. Now, as soon as I do that, it's going to tell me that I can't get there from here, and I've got to be using a uh, Intune managed browser. Yeah. So the, the the policy that IT has said is corporate websites have to be accessed in the managed secure browser. Exactly. And so because you're using Safari, which is not the managed browser that comes apart of Microsoft 365 access is blocked. And this is a key way where IT can separate personal browsing from corporate browsing or, or commercial browsing. Yeah. And if I look at the experience of doing that inside of, uh, inside of Edge, so which is my corporate managed browser, if I go in here and I select my link to that same website, then it immediately loads. But not only that, because I'm in my corporate managed browser, it's actually able to access my uh, authentication tokens from SSO. the Authenticator app, SSO, straight into the application. And I'm not even prompted to enter password, yet it's all still safe and secure. Now, if we switch over to my PC, we'll be able to see the admin experience for creating one of these rules inside of uh, the Microsoft Device Management Console. So the very first thing I have to go do is select which users this is going to apply to. You can see here that I have a group of users for Exchange Online Conditional Access. Um, I could also select my guest users or particular roles inside of my directory. Then I'm going to go and select which apps I want to apply this rule to. In this case, I'm creating a rule that's going to manage access to Exchange Online. So I've selected the Exchange Online um, application. Then I can go select the conditions. So I can say my sign-in risk. So that's the automatically um, identified level of risk for my um, session. Yep. In this case, I've not selected that. I can also select which platforms this is going to target. So I've got iOS, Android, Windows, Windows Phone, Mac OS. I can select which locations that I actually want to apply this rule to. So I could add trusted IP ranges. I could add IP ranges for particular countries around the world. I can also go and say which client apps this is going to apply to. I kind of feel like we ought to say protocols here because that's kind of what it means, but, it's, uh, but apps, I think, is also a, a good name for this. So in this case, this rule is going to apply to any mobile apps and desktop clients using modern authentication. So it won't apply to any legacy authentication. I would want to have a different rule configured to do that. And then I can have a device state in there as well. Next, I'm able to say what my controls are going to be that we're going to place around the access. So with conditional access, we're thinking about what are the conditions of access and how we're going to protect the access. So I can say that it always needs to be uh, multi-factor authenticated. I can say that uh, we need to have the device marked as compliant inside of Azure Active Directory and Intune. I can say that I need hybrid Azure AD join. I can say that it has to be on the list of approved client apps. And I can require any or all of these rules. And then a little further down here, I have the ability to control session. And with this, uh, and Brad's going to show us a, an example of this in a second, I can put restrictions in place that will um, say that conditional access will actually prevent me from being able to do certain actions inside of my browser session. And I can also tie that into uh, Microsoft Cloud App Security to go um, and have these controls run against things like Salesforce if I wanted to. So once I've selected all of those, and I discard those edits, 
and I select that the policy is going to be on, and I've saved it, it's going to apply. And literally what I've built here is a policy that says that any of these users in these groups coming from iOS, uh, where they are using the native mail application with modern authentication, will have to be coming from an enrolled and compliant device. So I know that that device has all of my company's protections yep. applied to it. Which is actually the policy we've applied here at Microsoft that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Exactly. Let me kind of show you then uh, one, one more uh, end user experience on this. We can, so we can switch over to my PC. So imagine that now this is my home PC, I'm working from home, and my organization wants me to be able to access and do my work from any device. Mm -hmm. But if it's not a trusted device, IT is going to want to say, listen, I want to guarantee that the data never leaves the browser. When that browser is shut down, there's never any trace of my company's data left on that untrusted device. Mm -hmm. That's one of these classic scenarios that we have been able to build across EMS and Office 365. So what I've done here is I've gone in on um, my home PC, which by definition from an IT perspective is, is untrusted, and I've logged into office.com. I've gone and I've gone into my OneDrive, and the first thing to point out here is this little yellow bar at the top here. Look what it says. Hey, your organization doesn't allow you to download, print, or sync to this device uh, because it's being managed. And so right there, we're, trying to, we're giving the user the, the data that they can go to their work, we're going to keep it on the browser, but the data will never leave the browser. So now if I come down here and you take a look at all the files down here, let me go highlight one. In this case, you see here in the toolbar, it comes up right here, there's a couple of options that are missing, mm -hmm. that are not displayed, like you can't sync. If I come into open, notice I can only open into Excel online. I cannot open into Excel mm -hmm. because we're going to keep the data in the browser. What's happening on the back end is we're actually changing the HTML that's coming from the office server down to the device. Because I'm pointing out here, I'm actually in the Chrome browser. I want to do that. I did that intentionally here because this, doesn't, this works in any browser. So now if I go ahead and open that in Excel online, it's going to go ahead and open that document. I'm able to get my work done. You know, the web apps are, are, are becoming just amazing apps. You know, there, there are days at work where I, I live expressly and only in the web apps these days. Um, and I get my work done in these very, very well. So now I come in here and the other thing that we do is we're able to disable things like copy and paste. So if I come here, if I right click, notice there's no copy okay. option. This is on an unmanaged device, but it, 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 it is able to deliver that promise of give the user that great experience that they love in a way that provides the security and manageability that IT requires. Yeah. That's conditional access on an untrusted device. Yeah, it's actually amazing how these controls can span so many different uh, scenarios that can be yep. built that face any of our customers. Yeah, the reality is not all data has the same value, and so you have different policies applied to different data sets. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beauties of this is you can have different policies that apply to different data sets based upon the confidentiality, the, you know, the value of that data, um, and that's one of the great things about using conditional access. And so, it's one again, one of the most important things for you to, to, to enable. We tell people enable MFA, you have to protect those identities, and then enable conditional access. So I think it's time to actually now talk about how we deployed all this internally. And to do that, let's bring in our CISO, Brett Arsenal. Brett, hey, thanks for joining us. You bet, Brad. Thanks so much. Simon, how are you? Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. You know, um, as we were driving over, I was thinking about the first time I met you, Brett. <laughs> 2007. When the earth cooled. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, you, you always describe that you've been at Microsoft since the, since the, you know, since the Earth cooled. But you and I met for the first time in 2007. Yep. You had just come into the engineering team and you were the CTO for all of the security work that we were yep. doing. Yep. And I think one of the things I love about you as our CISO is the fact that you've spent time in the engineering teams yep. and in IT. And so you're able to like translate the language between us. Yeah, yeah. It's also what you build, uh, you find out isn't necessarily how it runs in the real world, so it's also super helpful. And so, um, first of all, tell us about your responsibilities. What, what is it you do at Microsoft? I've wanted to ask you that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, as the CISO for Microsoft, I'm just protecting the assets of the enterprise like any other large company. And um, I have uh, business continuity, disaster recovery uh, in my remit uh, for accountabilities, and of course, security uh, for the company. 
All right, so we, we wanted to have you talk about the internal rollout of Intune and of conditional yeah. access. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell first of all, what were you seeing and what were the things that were saying like, you know, hey, we, we need to have this deployed at Microsoft? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things you sort of try to look forward to see what's happening. I think, uh, I think one of our board members kept saying, how do you see into the future and, and not just the current piece? And like, it was obvious. I mean, in hindsight, it was always obvious, but the trends about um, this whole mobile and, and client to cloud world was changing. And so this idea that the perimeter, which was a very effective control for us, I mean, you're either wired or wireless in building, yeah. or you were coming through a concentrated VPN connection or a virtual private network connection, wasn't working anymore. I mean, the, as an effective control, you have people coming in from the local coffee shop or you know any uh, number of remote locations. And so we started realizing if that's as a control effectiveness point is, is, is not as good as it used to be, what's the new model going forward? And so, um, well, for years, even back when I was there, we all fought endpoint because it's a lot easier to manage 8,000 routers than it is, you know, 10 million endpoints. But the reality was you just have to start managing things from the endpoint. And so we realized at that point we just really have to take all those policies we used to do at a network level and apply them uh, through this conditional access model at the actual endpoint itself. And, at this, and the endpoint being client device or service endpoint. Okay. So then um, talk to us about then... Uh, as you first started to go out and talk about, hey, we're, we're going to require every device to be enrolled, <laughs> yep. to be managed and compliant, was there resistance internally at Microsoft to rolling that out? Resistance is an interesting word. Uh, you know, different, depending on who you talk to, who had, who, the different perspectives. I think one of the things we had to do is simplify security at, at, for the enterprise in general, which was, um, you know, the whole BYOD craze that started happening sort of gave people a different perspective on, on, on devices, and, and, and now we think about managing those. And, I mean, in your background in System Center, right, we had a large System Center deployment where the device is managed, we know oh, yeah. everything about it, we can ensure it's encrypted, all the other things. And when you get into BYOD, you start to lose some of that capability. So how do you bring that back and have the benefits of bringing your own device, the benefits of cloud computing, yet with a really good management paradigm for security and a good user experience? So basically everybody wanted everything. And I think uh, we, <laughs> we sort of simplified it down to make it really, to make it easy, which was there's just three things you have to do. Number one, you have to have strong identity, right? That's the number one thing. And identity is the new perimeter. So how do you ensure you have strong identity and you have a great seamless multi-factor authentication experience regardless of what you know corporate asset you're trying to access? Number two, having good identity is awesome, but if you have a compromised device, it doesn't matter because I own everything underneath right. it. And then number three, how do we make sure we have the telemetry and reporting from the endpoint so we can take that rich data set, mm -hmm. one, to find anomalous behavior, but two, actually just, it turns out it was really helpful in defining the user experience and making it better. So and those that, are the three big things for us. And that's one of the things that, you know, I, I think our teams met weekly yep. for a year yeah. uh, as, as you were helping us to refine that user experience. You know, we always talk about Microsoft being, you know, from an engineering perspective, as we build product, Microsoft's internal um, IT is yep. our, what we call our first and best customer. Yeah. And so you're rolling things out, you know, way before the world sees it. Yeah, and I think we're a good proxy. I mean, some people say, oh, you know, you're perpetually unique, you're a snowflake, but reality is I'm not, and I'm also not, there's this myth that I'm all Microsoft. And so we have uh, like 32, yeah. 32, 32 or 34 versions of operating systems we support today. Plus one thing I do most people don't is I support N plus one. So like when you look at your third party software like Adobe or something like that, that's not certified yet for the next version of Windows, we still have to support it and make sure it's secure. Um, we have, you know, I'm probably the second largest Mac shop in the world today, or at least in the top 10 of large Mac shops. I know yeah. for sure there's one bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but hold on here. I, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I want everyone to hear that's a fascinating yeah. data yeah. point. 
the second, certainly in the top 10 largest yeah. Mac shop in the world. Yeah, we have over a half million Linux hosts in this environment. Um, we have, you know, over 160,000 Android and iOS devices. So I think there's this myth that we're just a pure Microsoft shop, and it's just not true. Yeah. Well, then, first of all, talk, tell us a little bit about how you rolled it out. Yeah, and then um, you've got your dashboard up here. You know, tell us a little bit about the dashboard as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, to your point, the we have this big thing about being vision led, and so let me just walk through two things if I could. Yeah. Um, one was landing this multi-factor auth, because we kind of said had this idea, and you've been here long enough to know, like we're going to have multi-factor auth everywhere, which seems like a penalty, right? And so you do these things like the smart card yeah, badges you have, and if they have the reader, and mm -hmm. all these different things. And we had virtual smart card, and yeah. all these different things that made the multi-factor auth really hard. And we change to say, hey, how about if we just eliminate passwords? Let's just get rid of them. And that now, it completely flipped how we engineer things. It completely flips the experience that we build. And so, you know, you do hello for Windows, and you have this great experience, which is you walk up to the machine. It's you instant. No username, no password. It just works. You are the password. And so um, getting that implemented throughout the ecosystem took a little, bit of, a little while to go do that. But so that's great. Now we're getting really, you know, we're over 86% of our employees don't log in when they come in, don't have to log in with their username and password. They just get authenticated into the system. But then again, remember, I have this population that doesn't do a hello for business. So we use the wonderful biometric features of the phone conditions and with Azure Authenticator to give you a, a better multi factor experience than having a cat card or whatever other thing and device, which you just use your phone. And so a lot of the conditional access questions that came up is, I'm not going to use my phone for that, but can I still do two-factor auth? That was like a big piece of feedback. Right. It was the third most popular question we had. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, again, be vision-led. So don't, do, don't force multi-factor auth. And then the next vision was, how do we provide the best seamless working experience no matter where you are? Conditional access enables it, but conditional access isn't the way we think of it as the answer. Just like we said, multi-factor is not the answer. The answer is no passwords, and the answer is best experience anywhere from any device. And yeah. so those, those really helped us. Now you, we'll you know, get into the nitty gritty, I'm sure, yeah, of but, the but numbers. While you're talking about that, that, that amazing experience, you know, um, you know, obviously we're, we're using things that aren't out yet. But when I picked up my, uh, my new iPhone a couple of weeks ago, you know, I didn't even have to even ever put my username and password into that using the technology that we're going to be coming out over the next couple of months. I yep. just brought it up, you know, some of the new technology just enabled it. I was yeah, passwordless phone and passwordless line of business yeah. is the next stuff we're doing right now. It yep. just made it so seamless. I can't wait to be able to roll some of that stuff out. But yeah. Tell us a little bit about the dashboard here, if we can actually have it pop up on the screen here for everybody, and tell us a little bit about the, the dashboard that you look at. Yeah, you, look for. you know, I think it's interesting. When we, so you asked how the first reaction was, and a lot of people said, no, I totally get it. And some other people were on the, well, hang on, we're just, as long as we have 2FA, mm -hmm. why do we have to have the, you know, why do we have to have this managed device or the, the and then we, had to remind people if you undermine the device, then the identity doesn't matter. And if you have a really strong device, but you have lousy identity, again, it doesn't matter. Encryption doesn't do you any good if you have a really bad identity system, because then I'm just getting your, your right. <laughs> encrypted right. data. And so um, we were doing really good. We were about 50,000, you know, we, we roll out in waves to make sure we're not you know, doing anything in, uh, bad, and we, we're, we're monitoring the experience. And I've always talked about that third leg, telemetry and reporting. And we have good telemetry reporting. What I didn't think about was telemetry reporting from the user experience. Not just the email tickets and help desk tickets, which we looked at. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are really small, like 0.003% of any issues like are being Like you saw opened. no uptick in the help desk at all as you rolled uh, virtually, access to every user. Virtually nothing, except we also have this thing called uh, Gestalt, which is just sentiment analysis against Yammer groups. We're a large Yammer user, right? Mm -hmm. And we started seeing a vocal minority spike around 50,000 users. And we're like, okay, 
from my math background, if I'm at 0 0.003, okay, it's a blip, we're just gonna keep moving forward. But actually, um, our leadership team said, well, hold on, what is the blip? And let's, let's start looking into it and digging into it and understanding what it actually was. And it wasn't concerned with, um, it wasn't concerned with conditional access per se, it was privacy concerns and the deal, which honestly we argued for a couple of weeks over, what do you mean the deal? The employee deal with Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah, yeah. what's yeah. the deal yeah. with Microsoft? Meaning I came here, I'm doing all this great work, but now you're, you, know, you wanna go do this piece to it. And we realized they didn't understand, one, what the risks were, mm -hmm. and two, like, you know, yeah, I'm in this place, I, I, I don't think I'm in a role that affects that, but they don't understand the pivot of you know, getting an identity and start pivoting across the And the, the risk you're talking about here was, the Senate was coming up with, why does Microsoft want to take over my personal phone? Right, and there is this, you know, I don't want Brett reading my email, and as you are well aware, I don't even read email from you half the time, so I'm sure it's like not going to read everybody's email. <laughs> <I said> that, <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, we, we have no interest in doing any of that. And, it, and so what, what really happened, though, was it did create this uh, concern, a legitimate concern, I think, around yeah. for, again, being a proxy for other people. What can we see? What will we do? What, and as you know also, the experience wasn't ideal at the beginning. There's experiences yeah. that we control, mm -hmm. but there's experiences we don't. For example, Apple pops a dialogue that is kind of scary, and yeah. we don't control that message. So how yeah. do we deal with that? And so you know, we made a lot of improvements in that. Yeah, and, and you gave us a ton of feedback on, you shouldn't use this word. I mean, like literally, you were giving us guidance on the words, words we should yeah. use even on yeah. the screens, and it was fantastic. You, you helped us make the product much, much better. It, and we did, and there was this pause though at the, you know, like I said, the, the, it just seemed strange to let the vocal minority slow down an important rollout. But it reminded us, one, not everyone had been bought into the vision and understood, you know, we're not just a box product company that delivers a product, we're the custodian of the world's data. And so you just have a different level of responsibility than we had in 2007, even in 2010. Yeah. You think about the data that everyone has now stored in our services in Office 365, yep. all those. I mean, the, the, our need to protect that is, is life itself. No, it's paramount, right? It's, it, there's nothing more important for us to do and, and trust is such a critical thing. And I think people just generally didn't, don't understand some of the things. Like, I'll give you the really simple example. Most people will say, hey, my camera's at home. Right? I don't put passwords on them because I don't have anything that I care if anyone sees. I just have a camera on my tree so I can see the birds. So why should I care? And this is kind of the secondhand smoke problem, which is sure you don't care, but it turns out someone took over a bunch of the cameras, mm -hmm. then used that to launch a denial of service attack against public cloud-based services, not ours, but you know, in the gaming industry and others. Mm -hmm. And you, you forget what you may, you, you realize you it's a very connected uh, digital fabric and there's a fine thread you have to just be careful of. And so reminding people that was important. And then, you know, training, doing a lot more around user education and awareness on what we can and can do, what we will do, what we won't do, and making the experience more seamless, like you said, so it's just, it just works when you, when you turn in. As long as it just works, it tends to be really good. Um, and so that was, uh, re that was a really big deal for us, was to, to, to take the data, slow it down, hold brown bag sessions, hear their feedback. And so I think um, that, that ability to go do that, not just help desk tickets, but sentiment analysis that's built in that you know that we've built in on top of what we do with uh, both SharePoint Yammer and a number of the other social technologies really gave us insights we never had before, which I think one made the product better. But while I like that, most importantly, I wanted the user experience to be better. And so, um, and there's some pretty interesting findings I think on how many people decided to opt out of that. That was a big mm -hmm. part. Like, could you opt out? But if you didn't want to be, like, you still yeah. had security yeah. concerns. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, and so you actually see this in the dashboard. You know, if you take a look at the bottom left there, you can see where we kind of were holding back in March and April. Yep as we were working through a couple of these issues. And then, you know, once you, once you turn it on for the rest of the company, you can just see how fast it went from 
May up into June, where we went from you know forty thousand devices up to one hundred forty thousand devices under management. Yeah, and it's a, and it's also the classic. The curve is partially because when you you know we do these rings, right? Yep. You expand your your base. Yeah, you can see the steps. So we're doing one thousand, two thousand, five, and of course the first two groups are one, the group that has the most vested interest, your group, and mm -hmm. then my group as the security team. And so we were using it first, then we expand it, we expand it, we expand it, and then when we get to the next waves, once we get past the that the. Um, the feedback pieces and understand what we can go do. Then we started rolling in ten and twenty thousand dollar, twenty thousand uh, person increments, not dollar increments. Well, I think that's good <laughs> advice for everyone who's look, who's listening to, to this. Is you know, as you're thinking about your deployment, is have a first go to the groups that are that have a vested interest, and it yep. might be IT. Yep. But you also want to have it go out to a set of individuals who are representative of the company, because there's going right. to be feedback that comes from yeah. a normal employee that's not going to come from IT. Well, and in fact, the other thing we did was once we knew we got past the initial rings, we actually started targeting the most sensitive groups finance, HR, marketing, right, and areas that we know are targets, which was the second point in educating people just on, on the mobile side, because PC side with system center things, we already had a good solution, but we know we need to move that to Intune and make it more cloud-based and, and, and move forward on that, but, but at least we had a solution. On the mobile side, though, you know, we see what, like, four million threats in 2017 alone on the Android platform, and I don't think people actually recognized or saw those things, and so we had to educate people that were protecting those from happening, and then there are a number of... Um, Crisis tunities, I think we call them. Crisis tunities. Crisis tunities. There are crisis tunities you can use to move the agenda forward. These are all public things. So we had an issue where uh, one of the network companies you could walk by with an iPhone and be completely owned, right? And so, and so you use that. And so, okay, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Well, if you have conditional access and if you don't have the update to the iOS, then you're you know exposing us to a risk. Whereas we can say, hey, guess what? If you're not at this path, you know, at this revision level of iOS, you can't connect. And here's how to go get it. So, what so, is the conditional access policy you have applied right now at Microsoft? Uh, well, there's a number of ones that we do on the mobile side. Though the biggest thing is, you know, the things uh, like, you know, you have to have a pin. And then, in fact, the pin was the third biggest complaint. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, back to our company, so we had multiple ways you could do multi-factor authentication. Yeah. So, the card you'd use, the smart card, had a different pin, pin. length. Mm -hmm. Then the hello pin length was, and one was hard coded, so we couldn't change it. The phone factor authentication was a different pin length, and then we added, you know, all these different pieces. And so, we had a big argument about yeah, four, yeah. six, or eight, and we have all the math arguments. But again, what's the user experience? And it turns mm -hmm. out um, when we went with just six, which mathematically was f fine for us. Um, what people underestimated was actually people loved it because it was consistent between all of them now. It wasn't four for one, eight for one, six for the other. Um, so PIN, encryption, again, data came back. Guess what? There was about a 2% population that wasn't working. The encryption yeah, wasn't yeah, right. it was predominantly and Android. It was predominantly, yeah. and it was on low-end devices in emerging markets. Yeah, we actually yeah. see that, these low-end devices that just yep. cannot do they encryption. They can't do it. And, and your policy, I don't want them accessing the data then, yep. plain and simple. Yeah, but I'll give you, I'll give you a fallback method. Right, the, what, there's two ways to fall back in that. One, like, okay, I can give you limited mail access with no attachments, and that's you know it's a risk window, or you can do a virtual, you know, a VDI type environment where yeah, you which can. Which on do, a phone is not the best experience. No, it's not. It's yeah. not great. No, but most people have. Right, so pin things. encryption, uh, patch level. You have a minimum OS level you enforce. Minimum OS jailbreak is a, is a device jailbroken, yeah. which is a surprisingly low number that we thought we'd see more just because of our engineering culture, yeah. but mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't too bad. And so if they're jailbroken, don't let them in. And, Number of things like that. Yeah. Okay, so then as we've done the rollout now. Yep. What is it like? I saw seventy-seven percent of all the Microsoft employees now have yep. a device enrolled in iOS or an Android device. Yep. yep. Um, what are the benefits that you're seeing now from from conditional access and having this policy about you know a trusted device? I'd probably say there's a couple of things, and there's probably a few epiphanies in here or insights that I, I thought were kind of interesting. 
um, when we were doing the rollout on um, on the devices, I I we expect that this has financial implications because there are people who are going to say it's just not for me, mm-hmm. and that's totally expected. And we looked into the industry both in tech and, and financial services and a number of the different industry numbers, and the numbers range. I won't pick out any industry, but they basically range from about five to twenty-five percent of employees may opt out of the. They said, the yeah, then, I, then I'm not. Yeah. Then I don't want email on my phone. That's right. Which, and you, which which is a bad thing, actually. It can be, but again, remember, actually, the OA-based mail experience is great. Yeah, so you can sure. still do OA-based mail, and you can still do OA-based calendar, which is an awesome experience that, from my perspective, but doing other work wasn't. So, but at least you could do the minimum viable work, to, at least at this company, to, to make that happen. Um, and so, uh, so we said, okay, well, we should create a policy for corporate liable devices where we own the device, and that's really simple. And I think, uh, and so we, of course, had to go to our CFO and explain, well, listen, if we think it's 25%, you know, a lot of money. Kind of do the math. It's in the you know it's in the tens of millions of dollars potentially. So how do you deal with that? And we said, okay, well, first of all, you know, we had just uh, acquired a, a company in the valley, a large company, and they had their data showed more in tech and other places, more like five to ten percent. But even at five and ten percent of one hundred sixty thousand people buying six thousand devices is fairly expensive. But but we at least plan for it. We decided not to create new budget. We said, listen, it's up to the manager discretion if it's if it's needed for your business to have that kind of access. 724 access as opposed to the stuff you do on PC or other other uh, managed devices, you can make that decision and suck it up in your own budget. So that was number one. Number two, we overly communicated on what we would and wouldn't do, and we changed a lot of the legal yeah. language in that to make it super clear. And we actually changed the language in our employment contract. Yeah, I mean, that's you correct. actually drove you know, in the yep. deal, yep. and then you drove changes in the product itself and the, the, the screens that we pop up. Yeah, exactly. And so um, so I expected we'd probably be in that 5% range and that it would be absorbed by the manager. So then there was the, that's the other thing, like make sure you're educating the manager so the managers become your first line of defense and doesn't just all roll back to the IT department. Like We're all on board by yep. we need to go do this. Um, and so, um, so we, I learned this lesson from one of our CEOs a long time ago when you're trying to play with numbers. So we thought the number was going to be 5%. So what do you think, Simon, the percentage was? I'm holding up my hand, more or less than... I think Not even the percentage, the I number of phones requested. Like, it's on your yeah. dashboard here. Ooh. Yeah, it was crazy. We like we you know we'd been one percent. <laughs> it was four. It was four phones. Four phones. Yeah, wow. four phones. Oh, four okay. percent. Four yeah. phones. So it became a complete non. I wish I had made a bet that the money we <laughs> saved I could have reapplied to our security budget, yeah. but it was four phones, right? Which was great. And then, and then there may be a few more that will do than that. But and I think we see a lot of people that are, you know are in this different trend of carrying mm-hmm. multiple devices mm-hmm. and, and other things. But um, but yeah, it's been uh, phenomenal as far so as. So I was one of the surprises, the number, the, the, how small the number of. I'm glad we did the delay. If we hadn't, we, there, was a, there was a larger faction that yeah. asked for a number of phones. So when I, I say larger, it was 41. It was 41 people, and it was in a specific yeah. group. And then we went and explained them what we could do, what we wouldn't do, what, you know, what the policies mm-hmm. were in the experience. They all backed out. There, there are a couple of cases where I think there are some cases where it completely makes sense. And then, in terms, of you think about the increased security that you now have at Microsoft. How would you quantify that? Uh, it's hard. I, well, to quantify, like the first thing is that you know we do a dashboard with our LT about the uh, devices under management, and our problem was mobile was we had limited management with the Exchange Active Sync policy, um, but like full management just wasn't there, and so it was a it was a complete space for us that I was never comfortable with, and now I can show that. Um, uh, there are no devi- there are no mobile devices that connect to our environment. Our managed PC environment is great. Um, still have work to do on Mac and Linux. I'm counting on you for that. Uh, uh, yeah. And that's the next phase we go roll out. And so, yeah, I think it's been, um, I feel much better. 
I, you know, I still, this job, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> Wake up at two crying every night. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not crying, I'm not, not crying as much now, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it's better, it's better. So um, no, I feel good about it. I feel especially good about the, this issue, like I said, when things like Spectre and Meltdown happen or other things happen, like we have the ability instantly in some of the, mm -hmm. the tools you were saying, we're saying, hey, guess what? We're gonna stop until we can get a fix right. to everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we reduce that um, attack vector. So when a, when, a, when a new zero day attack is identified and they're, they're, they're gonna happen. They do happen. You can go change a policy inside the console and immediately those are applied. And so I don't even have to go on the policy though. One of them is a, that's current OS or current patch revision or, or yep. you know, plus or minus days. And so in those cases, like when we say this is the policy, like you said, yeah, those mm -hmm. things will just happen for us. So yeah, it's been, I feel like uh, we have an environment that is cleaner. There's always work to do. There's these other systems we've got to get to, but um, it's, a, it's a huge boon forward for us. And it's also setting the tone for how we want to do all the other stuff. And if you were to give advice to you know, the IT pros, or even to the CISO organizations that are, that are watching this, what advice would you give them on rolling out conditional access and these, these security things? Well, I think for one, the first thing is like getting simple that people understand. Mm -hmm. it's, it's part of a you know, defense network. Well, you've got to have really good uh, multi-factor auth then you have to have device health and you have to have the telemetry and reporting. But getting that simplified view is super important. Number two is um, don't underestimate the user experience. Like I said, we underestimate. We, yeah. we were using math to say, we just, we used uh, statistics to drive it as opposed to vocal minority. And it turns out the vocal minority had some really good feedback. We were just listening uh, wrong-mindedly. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't because of arrogance, honestly. It was just because we're so used to doing these things. And so, um, I think that was the, um, the second thing, which honestly, just by doing that and, and saving time, um, but also we saved the company a lot of money. And it, that wasn't the primary goal here, but we ended up doing that. So I think that was... That's rare you can say that the, the, the security of the posture of the organization increased dramatically mm -hmm. and the cost in it. And the user experience got better, right? That, the, the, yeah. the, so there's this triangle, like that's the same thing with password. I have such better security now with you know the Azure Authenticator and the Hello for Business. Um, and yet the user experience is awesome. And just the, again, cost changing passwords on our 70 day rotation. Yeah. Now, because of all the work we've been doing with our mm -hmm. intelligence um, from our cloud services and some of these elements, like we're moving to a once a year and hopefully never change password again. The user never sees it now, mm -hmm. but once a year we'll do it. So that's four times less you don't have to do it. And, well, and, you, and you were sharing with yeah. me the research that you had that showed when you change the password once a year, your users put in more sophisticated passwords because they're less concerned about forgetting it. Yeah, and and then uh, and also the, we, we've done some work to do easily guessable, leveraging the uh, again data and telemetry that we yeah. get from our cloud services. So I think that's good. The other thing though, I would say though, and I and I you know I, and I I sent you this mail after, which was once you go to this model, which basically everything's multi-factor auth, everything has to be healthy before you can get access to anything. Access is the number one thing employees want. Um, that's the all the data will show that. And so, as I said, I go, well, uh, conditional access and Intune become the oxygen of the company. If you hiccup, Microsoft coughs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, make sure that when you, when you do these things that, you know, you count on a system that's going to do all those things. And, you know, that's the partnership we have. And so, there's been no coughing. We haven't been sick. I feel really good oh, about man, it. Oh, man, me too. Me too. <laughs> all right, well, a couple of points here. Um, I really would encourage everyone to go learn more about conditional access. And the two easiest places to go learn, go to Microsoft.com slash EMS or microsoft.com slash security. Um, there's a number of customer studies out there that you can also go and read about. Actually, mm -hmm. today we just published a new one uh, about WIDPRO. Okay. And with WIDPRO, here you have this massive organization, one of the largest systems integrators on the planet. They rolled out um, Intune and conditional access, you know, and, and removed a, a, one of the competitors on there. 
but they now have that running for over 90,000 employees on their Windows 10 deployment, over 70,000 employees for their iOS and Android devices. And they talk about how significant their uh, improvement is on their security. Just like Brett said, the user experience improved. And so this, this golden triangle of a better user experience, a more secure uh, organization at, at a lower cost or at the same cost, that's an amazing, amazing breakthrough. And then, you know, the last thing is get it deployed. You know, get that identity protection deployed with multi-factor authentication. Get conditional access deployed so you can actually ensure that only healthy and compliant devices access your, um, uh, your data. And then have the listening, you know, as Brett talked about the telemetry, have those listening tools in place. You get that feedback and can adjust quickly as you get the feedback from your, uh, from your people. I think that's a wrap. Yeah, I think so. Happy we'll, New Year, everybody. We will see you on the next episode of The Endpoint Zone.